on that, yeah. Uh, let's go, let's see, I want to go back here to uh, Genesis. No, go to Deuteronomy first. Go to Deuteronomy, the fifth chapter first, then we'll go to Genesis. Now, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I've got a bunch of them, but this is one of my favorites. I've had people say, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? Well, today it's this one. Yesterday it was that one. Tomorrow will be another one. <laughs> but this is one of my favorites of all time. Deuteronomy chapter four, 5. And you know, this Deutero second, nomos, Law, the second giving of the law of God by Moses before Moses does not get to go to the promised land. God takes him up on Mount Nebo and kills him. But now Moses actually did make it to the promised land, but it was about 1,500 years later. And that's when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and there Moses and Elijah appeared with him. So Brother Moses finally did make it into the promised land, right smack dab in the middle of it. But he didn't for a long time because he committed a sin unto death. Anyway, in chapter 5, uh, Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak. And then he says, uh, Verse 4, the Lord talked with you face to face in the mount out of the midst of the fire. And I stood between the Lord and you at that time to show you the word of the Lord. Okay. For you were afraid by reason of the fire, and well they should have been, and went not up into the mount. Uh, and here's what he was saying. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Now here he is giving us the report of what he's already given us back, back uh, or he will give us later. But this is what he got up on Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. All right. So he goes through the Ten Commandments. Now some don't like the Ten Commandments. Say, well, we're not under them. We never were under them to be saved by them. Just pre preachers, when they talk about the Ten Commandments, they need to straighten that out. Nobody's ever been saved by keeping the law. But the law is perfect. Amen. And it's eternal. Anyway, so on over in verse all 16, honor thy father and thy mother. I'm going to scatter radically read through. <coughs> thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Bear false witness against thy neighbor. Verse 22. These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly. In the mount of the midst of the fire of the cloud and of the thick darkness and a great voice. And he added no more. And he wrote them in two tables of stone and delivered them unto me. Now you know he did that twice. And the Bible says he wrote in the stone with his finger. I believe every word of that. And then verse 24. And you said, Behold, the Lord our God hath showed us his glory and his greatness, 
and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire, we have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. If you'd go through here and see, well, look at Genesis 3. Now go. Some of these kids won't know anything about it, but years ago, the hippies, the flower children, they claimed that they were looking, taking all them mind-destroying drugs, LSD and all that, trying to find God. All you got to do is open up God's book. And don't tell me that people don't know about it. But they don't want to read it. They don't want God's book. But if you see what God has to say in chapter 1, chapter 2. God called this, this, and then he said this, and he said this, and he called this. It all has to do with God speaking. And what Deuteronomy say? That we have heard and we know that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Look here at verse, in chapter 3. The Lord God said, verse the woman said in verse 2, well, verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. Now there's a question mark there at the end of garden. And well it should be. Because this is Satan doing exactly what's being done all over this world today, <coughs> even in churches. Be careful. Don't necessarily point the finger all out there. That some of it may come back close to home. If you don't heed what God says, you're doing what the devil at least said. But then look what he says on. And the woman said unto the serpent... Oh, we may eat of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Of course, God didn't say that. She added something. And the serpent said unto the woman, Now, this is the next step. You shall not surely die. Direct contradiction of what God said. I believe our problem today hasn't gotten any better than where it started in the Garden of Eden. You got questioning the Word of God, you've got adding to the Word of God, taking away from the Word of God, and outright denial of the Word of God. What Satan said, uh, yea, had God not said. He had not said that. No, uh, he did not. You, you shall not surely. He's taken away. And he's absolutely denying the word of God. 
Now when you hear these uh, people, such as uh, all these evolution atheists, they laugh at the word of God. But the problem with that is that with the intense brainwashing that is going on, not only in our country and the rest of the world, to take everybody away from the word of God. And you might be surprised at how that's influencing you. It takes, it takes one that's truly dedicated to the Lord and to his word to outright deny what everybody is saying. Are you getting my point? Now, look over Jeremiah 36. This is towards the end of the southern kingdom's existence in Israel. They're about to get ransacked and carried off in slavery to Babylon. So it's towards the end of the kings of the southern kingdom. You had Jehoiakim, then you'll have Jehoiachin, and then Zedekiah. And that'll be it. These weren't long reigns here. But now Jehoiakim is allegedly a servant of God. But look what happens to him over here. Baruch the scribe. And verse 16, Now it came to pass when they had heard all the words, they were afraid both one and other, and said unto Baruch, We were sure to tell the king of all these words, because he has told them what the word of God says. Now you've got people in this world, in this country, in Canada, in England, that are doing the same thing. The exact same thing. All that preacher was preaching against transgenderism. LBG, whatever it is. You can be put in jail in Canada. You put be put in jail in Great Britain. And I don't know about other countries, but I know one thing. As soon as they can do it, they will do it if they're not already doing it in this country. And they asked Baruch, saying, tell us now, how does thou write all these words at his mouth? Then Baruch answered them, he pronounced all these words unto me with his mouth, and I wrote them with ink in the book. Then said the princes unto Baruch, Go hide thee, thou Jeremiah, and let no man know where you be. And they went in to the king and to the court, but they laid up the roll in the chamber of Elisham of the scribe and told all the words in the ears of the king. So the king sent Jehudi to fetch the roll. He took it out of Elisham of the scribe's chamber, 
And Jehudi read it in the ears of the king and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month, and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him. So here's King Jehoiakim before a fire, blazing fire. And it came to pass that when Jehudi had read three or four leaves, and that word leaves comes out to columns. That's how the scrolls are written. He cut it with the pen knife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. That's going on today. Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king, nor any of his servants that had that heard all these words. Nevertheless, Elnathan and Deliah and Gemariah and had made intercession to the king that he would not burn the roll, but he would not hear them. He was warned against it. These, uh, all these people, the Bill Nyes and the, what's their name and his name in England, the big atheist evolutionist and out there in Arizona State, the professors and all of those, they've been warned. But the king commanded Jeremiel, the son of Hamalek, and Saraiah, the son of Azrael, and Shelemiah, the son of Abdiel, to take Baruch the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet, but the Lord hid them. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after the king had burned the roll. And I want everybody to understand this, that God's not sitting back with his hands tied, wringing his hands, wishing he could do something about all of this. I'm telling you that God is very much aware of what's going on. And God doesn't forget. You might, I might, but God doesn't forget. And every sin that is not paid for in the blood of Jesus Christ will be paid for by that sinner. The word of the Lord, then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah after the king had burned the roll. And the words which Baruch wrote at the mouth of Jeremiah saying, <laughs> Boy, if you think you're going to get rid of it. They've been trying to get rid of the word of God since the Garden of Eden. They really have. I mean, there has been a conscious, concerted effort to get rid of the word of God. And we've got things going on now that never has happened before. But I mean they've got so many things going to get rid of the word of God. But look what God does. He tells Jeremiah take thee again another roll. Remember in Ezekiel they had the wheel. Within the wheel. That's the will of God. That means when the wheel rolls this way and it runs up against an obstacle, it rolls this way and it goes around that obstacle. 
The wrath of man shall praise God, and the remainder he will restrain, is what the psalmist said. He said, take thee again another roll, and write in it all the former words that were in the first roll, which Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, hath burned. He didn't get rid of anything. All he did was increase the amount of his fire when he burns in hell. And thou shalt say to Jehoiakim, king of Judah, thus saith the Lord. Thou hast burned this roll, saying, why hast thou written therein, saying, here was the message. The king of Babylon shall certainly come and destroy this land and shall cause to cease from thence man and beast. That's what the first one said. Jeremiah write it again. Word for word what it said before. And therefore thus saith the Lord of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit upon the throne of David. He and all of his are going to cease to be. And his dead body shall be cast out in the day to the heat and in the night to the frost, meaning that it ain't going to have no royal burial. And I will punish him and his seed and his servants for their iniquity. And what was their iniquity? This last one is destroying the word of God. And I will bring upon them and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem and upon the men of Judah all the evil that I pronounced against them, but they hearkened not. And then took Jeremiah another roll and gave it to Baruch the scribe, the son of Neriah, who wrote therein from the mouth of Jeremiah all the words of the book which Jehoiakim king of Judah had burned in the fire, and there were added besides unto them Many like words. Whatever you do, you can't destroy the truth. You can't destroy the word of God. I give this illustration. You know, I'm not for the celebration of Christmas at all. Some of the songs, pretty good messages. I just don't sing them because of this Christ Mass, I don't celebrate a Catholic Mass, do you? I don't. I'm not a Catholic, I'm a Baptist. Anyway, <clears throat> but I wouldn't stop anything that actually is truth. And I use this for an illustration. On the cross that Jesus died on, the inscription over the cross, it said in three languages, Latin, Greek, and Hebrew, not what the they say I-N-R-I. That's, that's not, that's, that's phony. That's not what that is at all. That's something completely different. That's bad news what that is. But what was on the cross was three languages. Now I don't have it right here before me. But you can put, here's the message. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And that was in Latin. Put the Latin up there. That was in Greek. Put the Greek up there. That was in Hebrew. Put the Hebrew up there. That's far more than four letters. Four Latin letters. So the, the whole thing. So oh, you don't know it's like that. Well at, at the very least. That is a complete distortion. 
of what the Bible says was over the cross. Uh, so, but, but you go to the worst end of it, it's something completely, completely, it's against, it's against us is what it is. But anyway, but notice, the Jews, the Pharisees said, that was, it was, it was uh, Pilate and his men that carved that in the wood of the cross. Those, that message. And they said, get it off of there. Put up there that he said he was king of the Jews. And Pilate wouldn't do it. He said, what I've written, I've written. I believe, I believe it's the same thing when he stayed Abraham's hand. From killing his son. He didn't let him do that. And he didn't let a lost man destroy the truth. The truth is true. Whoever says it. So, and if you wipe, wipe out the book, you haven't wiped it out. There are people that are burnt. Get that out of here. I've heard of, I've heard of husbands and fathers and homes saying, don't ever bring that book in this house again. I could probably name you some names of people. Of course, they're all dead and gone, and they know better now. They're not, they're not with the Lord, but they do know better. Anyway, the efforts to wipe out the Word of God have been going on for many, many years, as I've brought you here and shown you in these scriptures. Back in the year 1229 uh, A.D., the modernists say BCE uh, for before Christ, and they say I forget what they say now, but I say AD, the year of our Lord. But twelve twenty nine—that's been a long time ago. That would be this is twenty, so that'd be eight hundred, almost exactly eight hundred years ago. That's a long time. Yeah, we're in 2022. Uh, seven years will be 800 years. There was a council. Now, I've had people try to deny that this ever took place. But there was a Catholic, a Roman Catholic council. You may even call it a synod. Actually, those two words are just about synonymous one's probably a little larger than the other that's all so the synod of Toulouse or the council of Toulouse it did exist it did occur and at this council the Catholics passed a law their, their law but for all of the countries that were controlled by Catholicism, it became a law all over Europe that the Bible was a forbidden book. Now they'll try to tell you, oh, and all the Catholic Church never done it. Oh, yes, they have. Just check into it a little bit. The, the information is available, and especially now with Google search and all that stuff, it's very easy to find that it did occur 
And it was called Canon, C-A-N-O-N, 14 of the Council of Toulouse. Might want to remember that. Here's what it said. Quote, we forbid the laity. Now that's the people of the Catholic Church and everybody else. See, the Greek word laos is the Greek word for people. And from that word comes laity, the people. We forbid the laity to have in their possession, this is a quote now, verbatim, any copy of the books of the Old and the New Testament, except the Psalter, that would be the Psalms, and such portions of them contained in the breviary, and we most strictly forbid even these works in the vernacular. How many know what vernacular is? The language of the people, the common language. And breviary, that's, that's some of their, like their missiles and all that, where they write and they'll have a little quote of the Psalms and that. But even that, you weren't allowed to have that in, in your language. Unquote. That's exactly what took place in 1229. Well, do you know what also took place about that time? The Inquisition. The formal Inquisition. That the Pope in Rome had the authority from God to inquire into every person's beliefs and if they contradicted Catholic doctrine they would be tortured and ultimately killed and pretty much the inquisition was set up to help destroy the word of God now, I'm not an expert on it, but I know that Peter Waldo is about 1120 A.D., who was the outspoken leader of the Waldensians, who were Baptists in doctrine. Amen. He had the Word of God in his language, and I think that was French. And guess who was really destroyed by these two things? Now let me tell you something else. Neither one, the Bible on the list of forbidden books, or the holy office of the faith, the Inquisition, have ever been done away with. They're still there. 
You say, well, will they ever be reenacted? Well, let's see. When we get our one world empire, and at least for a while, the Roman Catholic Church is going to ride with him. Yeah. yeah, I think it will be. I think it will be. Oh, no, it just couldn't happen. Well, you didn't think those Muslims could break through and destroy a thousand people or about and knock those buildings down, did you? I knew they would. I didn't know what to extent, but I knew they would. And they're probably going to do it again. No telling how many of them have come across that southern border that Joe Biden says is closed. Anyway, all these things are kicking right along. So there is what happened at the council of, or the synod, have it your way, of Toulouse. Well, trying to get rid of the word of God, just exactly what Satan started in the Garden of Eden has not let up. Well, in the 14th century, you had John Wycliffe, who had been a Catholic priest, but I believe he was saved. Now, was he a Baptist? I don't think he was a Baptist, but he definitely was a protester. He definitely was a protester, and he had definitely translated the Bible into the English language. Now, you can't read that English back there of the 14th century. Tried to read Chaucer. You ever tried to read Beowulf? Anybody ever tried to read Beowulf? Well, it can be done, but you better know what you're doing to try it. That, that ancient English is not what we speak. But he translated, but his problem was he used a bad text. He used the Latin text of the Vulgate. Now, there was a Latin before that. The ancient Latin was much better but I don't think we even have anything left from that. But that Latin Vulgate is what he used to make his translation. Well, that's the translation that the Roman Catholic Church uses. So it's a corrupt. It was corrupt. And I don't think he knew that. I think his intentions were better. But there you have in the 14th century. So there you have, they say Martin Luther started the, the uh, Reformation. But no, there's John Wycliffe. Uh, centuries before over a century before but then in the 15th century bridging to the 16th you had William Tyndale and he did most of the translation of the translation we have the King James the King James translators in 1611 a little bit before that they worked on what William Tyndale had already completed and completed what he didn't. And the reason he didn't get to complete the translation is because the Catholic Church burned him at the stake. I think he was 42 years old. Young man. But it was, it was to his hurt that he took a stand for the word of God. And that's what it was all about. 
It wasn't trying to destroy anybody. He was trying to get the word of God for English readers to have in their language. That they might appreciate and profit from the word of God. Well, we think, well, the word of God, everybody knows the Bible's good. No, they don't. And we need to understand that. This world does not want the word of God around. They, they want to get rid of it. All of these liberals, they want to get rid of it. They at least want it to be put on the list of mythology. We say, well, boy, Baptists don't do that. Really? Check the Baptist seminaries. For example, uh, Midwestern in Kansas City. Check and see if they don't demythologize the Bible <coughs> before they begin teaching the Bible to their seminary students. And they're not the only ones. Most of them are. And what I'm trying to tell you is that the Word of God is under attack. It has always been under attack. And let me tell you, when you lay your Bible down and never pick it up, you're, you're playing right in to Satan's hands. That's what he wants you to do. Oh, I can't read that. I knew some fellas. I knew a fella that started attending this church years ago. He couldn't read or write. Didn't mean he was stupid. He just hadn't been to school. Used to be they didn't care whether they sent you to school or not. Most of them didn't. I've heard my uncles tell their boys, you don't need to go to school. You need to come home here and help me on this farm. I've heard them actually say that. Uh, in my time, they said it a lot more before that. But he couldn't read or write. But he made a profession of faith. And he came before this church and he said, I want this church to pray for me. That I can learn how to read. So I can read the Bible to my family. He did a little bit. He didn't become prolific in it, but he did learn to read enough that he could read some to his family. What a noble desire I don't want to learn how to read so I can make a lot of money that's where it's all at now make a lot of money I just want to be able to read the Bible to my family do you know how much blood has been shed by human beings so that we can have the Bible do you kids know do you have any conception of how much blood how much torture has gone on to keep us from having a Bible. And yet we've got so many of them. If you don't think there's lots of Bibles around. Check what my wife has. She buys them every time she can catch a sale on them. My wife has always got Bibles to deliver. To give to people. Don't ever say you don't have one. You can't get one. You can get one at Richmond Road Baptist Church. Because we believe in the word of God. Will there ever come a time when it will be outlawed? But it already has been outlawed in many people's minds. And you go to the Lexington public schools, the government schools, 
You go and see what they're saying about the word of God. Now they don't want the word of God because the word of God says that homosexuality is abomination to God. Transgenderism is against God. God made male and female. He made two genders. And somebody said, I don't know what I am. Get a good mirror. And you can tell what you are. Into that transgenderism, it's all up here, buddy. And that's called rebellion against God. Just like homosexuality, two men married, it's all up here. And it's all in your rebellion, two women. It's in rebellion against God and God's order. Read what God did. God made man and he made woman and he called them man and woman and he joined them together, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. And it's God Almighty who ordained marriage. Frankfurt did not ordain marriage. Washington, D.C. did not ordain marriage. The Supreme Court did not ordain marriage. God ordained it, and it was a man and a woman. You say, well, I'm born a woman, but I'm really a man. You're an idiot. You're a rebellious idiot. And I tell you what, you cut off everything you want to and you glue on everything you want to and when you die, you'll go to hell as what you were born at. Look at James 1.18. Of his own will begat he us. Begat. That's what the new birth is. He born us again of his own will, not yours. And he did it with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. There's a reason they hate the word of God. Well, I'll tell you what. By their stopping the word of God, a lot of people stop it. They try to stop it. I've had them try to stop it with me. I'm not going to do it. Not as long as i got a mouth, got a tongue, and got a brain to operate it. The word of God must be present. For God to save one of his elect. 
Look at First Thessalonians. Chapter 1. Verse 4, Paul says to the Thessalonians, Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Because our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. The gospel, the word of God, came, but it doesn't have the power of itself. It has to come in the power of the Holy Spirit. But folks, it has to come. Amen. That's why we preach the gospel to every creature. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. Now, I'll finish this in just a second. All of these versions, I know the King James is not perfect. It's a translation. You know, I said that Wycliffe made his translation from a corrupted text, the Latin Vulgate. Do you know that's exactly what most of these new versions have done? Westcott and Hort, the Alexandrian text, Back in the 1850s, a guy named Tischendorf, a German, he went to a monastery at the base of Mount Sinai. That would be the Greek Catholics, the Eastern. And they had the text that became the Alexandrian text. It was all in these Parchments, vellums, you know. They were old. Dated back to the 4th century. But do you know what those old monks were doing with those texts? Using them as kindling to start fires in their furnaces or stoves. They knew what they had. But Tischendorf saves the Bible. And that's where many of these versions have come from. That text, and you've got two others and a bunch of pieces. We've got the Word of God. The translation is not perfect. But you can find the truth from the context And all you need to do is read it. And you know, God's going to hold us accountable. You kids and all of us, adults. All of the days and the weeks and the months that we let go and never pick up our Bible. And never seek God through his word. We're going to give account to God for that. What a waste. 
We want to hear Wall Street Journal. We want to hear the Wall Street Report. We want to hear, uh, what's her name, Maria Bartiroma. We want to hear, see her reports about the, about the economy and what the oil is doing and what the gold is doing and what the silver is doing, what the stock market is doing. We want to see what the weatherman has to say. We want to see all of this. Where is that desire to find God in his word? That's where we're in trouble right there. Yes, the word of God is under attack, and it has been under attack from the get-go. Even God's people have chimed in on it. One thing we ought not to chime in on 